Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another edition of Full Measure After Hours. Today, a fascinating interview with an extremely busy Missouri Attorney General on his landmark lawsuit where so far he's won a landmark decision against the White House. The first case ever to have a court say that the White House improperly colluded to violate the constitutional rights of Americans in censoring them on social media about COVID, COVID vaccine safety, and more. Today, we're going to hear from Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey. It strikes me that where Congress and the media used to be more of watchdogs over our government institutions, they're dropping the ball a lot. And only thanks to some states or third parties filing lawsuits, are we exposing some serious issues or giving some pushback to controversies generated by our institutions? First, we'll be speaking with Bailey about his lawsuit against the Biden administration over censorship on social media. But before we hear from him some background and the latest news on the topic, by way of background, it was about July, I think, of 2021 that President Biden started using this hyperbolic language. He was saying that social media companies were killing people if they allowed what the government deemed to be COVID misinformation. This was information that often turned out to be true, but President Biden said, quote, they're killing people. About the same time, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki added that government officials were coordinating with social media companies to block certain content. That prompted a lawsuit filed by the Attorneys General of Missouri and Louisiana to argue that the federal government, the White House, and some of the federal agencies like the FBI were overstepping their authority and their bounds violating constitutional rights of American citizens by engaging in censorship in collusion with social media companies. Well, they got a lot of good evidence through this lawsuit, documentation that had been pretty much kept secret but had to be turned over to the courts. And of course, more startling evidence of government censorship came out after Elon Musk bought Twitter. He released some internal documents revealing that the FBI and other agencies were pressuring Twitter to ban and censor accounts, particularly on COVID, COVID vaccines. Again, often true information. It, it wouldn't really matter whether it was true or not. The government's not entitled to censor people for their opinions or even if they state something false. But it seems particularly egregious that they admitted to conspiring to suppress perfectly true information. The Biden administration also, by way of background, created this Orwellian titled Disinformation Governance Board, do you remember that? To further crack down on speech it didn't like. And they appointed to head the agency a woman named Nina Jankowitz. She was a Ukrainian government advisor, someone who had falsely claimed that reporting on Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation, and yet they're making her the head of this Disinformation Governance Board. Well, you may remember she made that weird kind of quirky video 
where she sang a disinformation song to the tune of supercalifragilisticexpialidocious and posted it online. And after all the controversy, when the public found out about this disinformation board and Jankowitz leading it, it was abandoned. Although I will say, um, there's little doubt, I think, that the government is still engaging in this disinformation effort to suppress, you know, off-narrative information and opinions and science because I think they've been doing it for a long time. They're just not going to let us know they're doing it. So you will hear in a minute Andrew Bailey, the Attorney General of Missouri, talk about the genesis of the lawsuit to try to stop some of this since I interviewed him. So here's an update before you hear the background from him. The courts agreed that the Biden White House committed all kinds of infractions, and so did a court say the FBI and other agencies when they engaged in this censorship activity with social media. And that was appealed, that initial decision, because it temporarily barred the White House from continuing to collude with social media companies in the same way. Biden administration appealed it, and then a three-judge federal appeals court agreed the Biden administration, quote, ran afoul of the First Amendment and blocked the White House, Surgeon General, CDC, and FBI from violating free speech rights by coercing social media companies to take down posts the government doesn't like. And here's a quote from the decision, quote, defendants and their employees and agents shall take no actions to coerce or significantly encourage social media companies to remove, delete, suppress, or reduce, including through altering their algorithms, posted social media content containing protected free speech. So that's an order in play right now. That's a big decision. And this should have been international news. There's never been anything like this in our courts before. Reading from the earlier decision, the one that had been appealed, the judge said, the evidence produced thus far, this is by the lawsuit Missouri and Louisiana filed against the Biden administration, the evidence produced thus far depicts an almost dystopian scenario. During the COVID-19 pandemic, the judge says, the United States government seems to have assumed a role similar to an Orwellian ministry of truth. Although the censorship alleged in this case almost exclusively targeted conservative speech, the issues raised herein go beyond party lines. The right to free speech, said the judge, is not a member of any political party and does not hold any political ideology. So now we're going to hear from Andrew Bailey himself. Keep in mind, this interview was done before those decisions were won. The lawsuit that he's filed is still ongoing. So there's a temporary ban in place by the courts so that the Biden administration is not supposed to be able to collude with social media to censor. But there will be continued action in the case and perhaps even a trial to determine the permanent outcome in the end. Here's Andrew Bailey. Can you tell me the genesis? Um, you weren't here when this lawsuit started with over this censorship and social media, but can you kind of summarize the genesis of the challenge? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jen Psaki from the White House uh, press secretary's podium established and, and committed to making sure that big tech social media were clamping down on misinformation, malinformation, uh, information essentially that the White House didn't like. And so that that piqued everyone's interest. And, and we began to realize very quickly that there was a coercive and collusive relationship between the White House across a spectrum of federal bureaucratic agencies with their cronies and woke big tech social media corporations. Uh, suit was filed between uh, the state of Missouri and Louisiana in the United States District Court for the, uh, Louisiana. 
And as that case uh, moved, we got discovery and tens of thousands of pages of documents have established this coercive and collusive relationship. And we have specific emails where the White House is targeting conservative voices and silencing conservative voices on big tech social media in violation of the First Amendment. We'll talk about some of those in a minute, but there is an argument where people say social media, they're private companies, they can do what they like. It doesn't amount to censorship. What's your response to that? Well, we we reject that. And certainly the courts have rejected that as well. Let's put it in perspective here. If you picked up your cell phone and made a call and were talking to somebody about a political issue and the cell phone company didn't like it and they started muting you and you were saying things they didn't like, would anyone stand for that? Would anyone accept that? Certainly not. That's what big tech social media does when they censor. But what I'm talking about here and what this case has exposed is infinitely worse because the censorship is the, the muting essentially is being done at the behest of the federal government. Joe Biden threatened antitrust action against big tech social media corporations. He threatened to remove their uh, their uh, immunity from civil suit. And so they had an enormous economic incentive to, to do the president's bidding and to do the, the federal government's bidding when they when the, the federal government came to them and wanted them to remove posts that the federal government didn't like as it related to the response to the covid-19 pandemic. As you said, the lawsuit has unearthed some very important internal documents that show the extent to which the White House was coordinating with social media companies. Going over a couple of those, uh, you said the White House asked Twitter to censor Robert F. Kennedy Jr., a known critic of the White House's COVID-19 narrative. What was that about? Well, they're trying to silence anyone's dissenting voice. I mean, this is why we have the First Amendment, is to allow uh, counter speech to, to disfavored speech. And so when the federal government says the vaccines are effective and you have to take the vaccine, or when the, the federal government says you have to wear a mask to be safe, and anyone questions that, they then the federal government then pressures big tech social media to remove those posts. There are other emails that show that uh, the White House was adamant about taking down Tommy Lahren posts, uh, Tucker Carlson videos. So it was conservative speech that was silenced here in violation of the First Amendment. The White House directed Facebook to shut down the conservative voices you mentioned. There were also documents showing White House Digital Director Flaherty scolding Facebook, saying that he really couldn't care less about products unless they're having a measurable impact at suppressing f- speech. When you say products, he's probably talking about tools being used by Facebook. Can you explain more yeah. about that email? Yeah, that might be one of the most frightening emails we've uncovered, because what it's saying is big tech social media saying, well, the the speech that the White House is targeting doesn't actually violate big tech social media's left wing censorship priorities. And the White House pushed them further. So again, that just establishes the coercive and collusive relationship between the White House and unelected federal bureaucrats and their their cronies and woke big tech social media corporations. Maybe one of the most alarming ones to people who believe in free speech and think that some of the censorship is off base. In an email, Facebook assured the White House's Flaherty that in addition to removing what they considered Vaccine misinformation, we've been focused on reducing the virality of content discouraging vaccines that does not contain actionable misinformation, including often true content. That seems to be admission that they were purposefully censoring true, truthful information. That's absolutely right. They're trying to achieve a, a policy objective, a social objective, and they're going to coerce big tech social media and, and to go further than the corporation's uh, natural uh, left-leaning censorship policies. And it's the White House doing it. 
What can the lawsuit ultimately do if you were to prevail? Well, we can get a court order to stop it and hold those who did it accountable. We've gone to court as recently as uh, two weeks ago to ask for a preliminary injunction to get a court order to stop Biden and his cronies in in the federal bureaucracy from censoring Americans' free speech in violation of the First Amendment. Uh, But what happened at the, the, the court proceeding, what happened at the hearing was really frightening. When pressed by the judge, and by the way, the judge has already identified that there is likely a vast censorship enterprise emanating from the federal government and being operated and controlled by Biden's White House. But what happened at the hearing was really frightening because when pressed, when the judge asked the the attorneys for the Department of Justice representing the federal government, would it be a violation of the First Amendment to censor speech that questioned uh, whether masks worked? The federal government said it depends. When asked whether or not it would violate the First Amendment for the federal government to suppress speech that questioned whether vaccines were effective or not, the federal government said it depends. When asked whether or not it would violate the First Amendment for the federal government to suppress speech that questioned the legitimacy of the the 2020 election, the federal government said it depends. They cannot commit to preventing violations of the First Amendment going forward. Their reluctance to do so shows a complete and utter lack of of understanding of what the First Amendment stands for and why the founders would have enshrined that as a God-given right in our United States Constitution. What would a court order or something say that stops that? Again, if you were to win, does it say they cannot communicate with or they cannot ask the social media companies to do certain things? How would you in practice really stop that? Well, there needs to be an enforcement mechanism built into the order. So we need to absolutely demand that the the bureaucrats in the federal government not be allowed to coerce or collude with big tech social media to silence American voices. And then there needs to be some kind of court-ordered monitoring program to ensure compliance. How important do you see this case in terms of a free speech case. This is the most important First Amendment case in a generation. I mean, the, the magnitude is enormous here because what we're talking about is the, the, the question before us is whether or not the federal government can silence disfavored voices on a new new platform that, that would not have been around at the time the founders uh, codified the First Amendment. But certainly we understand the rights given to us by God as codified in the Bill of Rights to be timeless. They, they didn't, uh, they, they weren't written about specific technologies. They were written about to protect God-given rights and to protect us from the government. And that's exactly why we're fighting so hard to make sure that we put a stop to Biden's attempt to violate our First Amendment right to free speech. Anything else on that topic that you want, that I didn't ask about you want to say? You know, one of the most frightening aspects of the case is that the court identified that the vast censorship enterprise emanates from the Department of Homeland Security. So if you think about that for a second, this is an agency that was created in the wake of the 9-11 attacks to protect us from foreign attack. And that agency has now been weaponized to silence American voices in a betrayal of our trust and our values. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 
Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Are there, are there any good arguments to be made on the other side? Do they have a point that they would argue they're looking out for public safety, there is a responsibility to make sure that maybe misinformation and disinformation don't get so widespread that it endangers the public health and there's a reason to do that? Well, if the federal government actually believes that, they need to take out a public service announcement. They need to put up billboards and, and have their own speech. The remedy for disfavored speech in the United States of America has always been counter speech, not suppression of speech, and certainly not suppression of speech at the behest of the government. On um, another topic, what is Missouri doing on the transgender front? We've been looking at stories on the lobby effort and sort of this explosion and attention being paid to uh, surgery on children, that sort of thing. What is Missouri's efforts? Well, several months ago, we had a whistleblower come forward and swear out an affidavit to my office that made allegations that even if one-tenth of those allegations are true, it amounts to nothing short of child abuse. And so we launched an investigation into that clinic. We marshaled resources from across state agencies to bring full effect to that investigation to hold wrongdoers accountable. It was the first of its kind in the nation. I'm proud to have led that effort. Uh, subsequently, the General Assembly began working on a bill that would prohibit these kinds of uh, procedures on minors in the state of Missouri because they're experimental. And as we began our investigation, we demanded a moratorium that the clinic that we were investigating stop administering puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and referring juveniles for surgery uh, when those juveniles present uh, a diagnosis of gender dysphoria. And the clinic refused under the, the guise that they were the only clinic offering these kinds of services in the state of Missouri. Well, subsequent investigation revealed that's not true. There was a shadowy and clandestine network of these clinics operating across the state. And so we actually promulgated a rule under our rulemaking authority here at the attorney general's office. And again, first of its kind in the nation. And all that did was say that if these providers are going to, to operate on these kids, are going to prescribe these dangerous medications to these kids, are going to tell these kids that they were born in the wrong body, there had to be some level of accountability. And that would include real, genuine parental consent where there's an acknowledgement that there are zero FDA approvals for the administration of puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones to treat gender dysphoria. There are zero clinical trials establishing the safety or efficacy of puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones to treat gender dysphoria. And that European nations have curtailed these procedures years ago because they understood the risks involved and the long-term negative health consequences. What came from the whistleblower? What were some of the specific allegations that were made? Well, it's frightening stuff. I mean, first of all, she claims that uh, she claims to be a progressive that supports transgender rights and volunteered to work as a case manager at a transgender clinic because she wanted to advance this ideology. But what she saw scared her enough that she was willing to take on this establishment. And uh, and, and certainly we're, we're thankful for her shining the light of truth on, on some of these these frightening allegations. But she said that 75 percent of the children who came into her clinic expressed that they had become confused about their gender or learned about their gender on TikTok. Uh, 
So if you think about that for a second, that means that these kids are just confused because they were confused by uh, predators online. They were being groomed for some kind of sexual exploitation. And rather than talking to the kids, the whistleblower states that the clinic raced to the administration of puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones without without doing a clinical assessment for uh, psychiatric or psychological services or without offering those services. And the kids under 18 were referred for uh, you know, uh, irreversible uh, gender reassignment surgery. And she also made allegations that oftentimes when parental consent was obtained, it was not in written form. And oftentimes the clinic would target parents who they thought most likely to give consent by saying things in front of the child, like, do you want a dead son or, or a live daughter? So now the clinic is uh, you know, allegedly injecting suicidal ideation into a conversation where it didn't happen before. This isn't treating a mental health disorder. It's making it worse. He said there's a whole network of hospitals, there are facilities that were kind of like secretly networking on this. Who's organizing that? Have you been able to figure out who's doing this and who's behind it and who may be paying for and advocating for this type of thing? Well, two, two points to make. Number one, our investigation is ongoing and we, we intend to continue that investigation until we get to the bottom of it. But it seems to me it's driven by two things, uh, ideology and money. Uh, th- these companies profit from administration of these medications and referrals for surgeries. So they have an economic incentive to keep it going. The other thing I would point out is that when these, these poor children are treated this way, they create, it creates lifelong health problems that require continuous treatment. So uh, th- that, that's an issue. The other issue is the ideology. I mean, you've got uh, clini- clinicians and professionals in the, the medical field. I'm amazed they ever got malpractice insurance, but they're more interested in pushing an ideology th- than they are in protecting the patients. One other point to make, I don't know if it's important or not, okay. but just yesterday, the governor signed the bill that the General Assembly passed that would uh, end trans- uh, put an end to these uh, pediatric transgender procedures. As- Missouri, the first state to do that, or have other states already taken other, other states have. But what we've seen is that courts have, we, we've learned from the mistakes other states have made. And certainly we feel that we're in a very strong position to defend the bill the General Assembly has enacted, even though other states have had their legislation struck down. And then did Kansas City say they wanted to become a sanctuary city to allow those surgeries to continue anyway? Yeah, they did. And certainly uh, the, the difference between the relationship between the states and the federal government is that the states largely preexisted the federal government and are codified. That relationship is codified in the Constitution. Cities are a political subdivision of the state and exist at the state's will. And so there's not the same relationship between the states and the cities as there are between the states and the federal government. We're not going to let, let cities in, in Missouri nullify state law. What can you do? Well, certainly there are legal options available. And we've uh, notified the Kansas City Board of Police Commissioners that, uh, you know, they are required to enforce state law. The, the state law is the, uh, you know, the will of the people is expressed by their elected representatives. Is that a criminal violation? Could a doctor be arrested for performing, you know, surgery on children when it's not permitted? Well, there's civil penalties and there are licensure penalties. And those boards are also controlled by the state. So we're confident in our legal position. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and that if you did, you leave a great review, subscribe to it and share it with your friends. Check out my other podcast, the Cheryl Ackeson podcast. And if you want to hear more about Andrew Bailey and the lawsuit, you can watch a replay of this week's Full Measure by going to fullmeasure.news. You can click on the full episode tab or look for the particular segment on the homepage. Hey, while you're there, binge watch some great cover stories and episodes This is off-narrative news that a lot of other outlets are no longer covering. You can support independent journalism causes by visiting CherylAckeson.com and clicking the Store tab, 
there are some thought-provoking and fun products designed exclusively for independent and free thinkers like you with proceeds benefiting independent reporting causes like the ION Awards for Off-Narrative Investigative Reporting. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.